0: Hey Creepsters, this is Morgan coming all the way from Ansnerveld, Ontario, Canada. Get ready for another beautiful Sinister Sightings episode because you are listening to A Paranormal Chicks.
1: And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 54. And you just heard Morgan A and she was so sweet.
0: Well, we hope it's as beautiful as you, Morgan. And of course a little creepy, you know. Oh, absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's implied with the boo tiffle. <laughs> Wait,
1: are you saying she's creepy? I mean Morgan, she just called you fucking out.
0: I mean, aren't we all a little? <laughs>
1: Some more than others, so if you want to do a creepy intro instead of a cute intro, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast.
0: The first one is called Lock All the Doors. Hello, best friends in my head. (laughs) 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 That made me laugh (laughs) way too hard. When I was 18, my first full-time job after graduation was dispatching for a plumbing company. The office was in an industrial complex that wasn't in the best of neighborhoods. I loved that job. I worked 3 p.m. to midnight. I was left alone because management went home, and I could open the side door to listen for the phone and chain smoke where the parts and equipment were kept. I mean, that sounds like my perfect job as an 18-year-old. <laughs> We had to keep the manual parking lot gate opened, but I could lock the door that led from the outside into the office lobby. The dispatch area was in a glassed-off area with its own door and lock. One night, around 11 p.m., a tech called in that he was on his way in to pick up some parts. I went ahead and unlocked the outside door and went back to my area. I heard the outside door open and looked up to see a lady in ripped clothes and covered in blood. It wasn't like the movie Carrie, but it was enough that I couldn't tell where it was coming from. She finally got out that she had been in an accident on the freeway. This immediately set off warning bells. We were about a quarter of a mile from the freeway, but to end up standing in our lobby, she would have to have passed a gas station, two motels, and a fast food restaurant. I told her I was going to call 911 for her, and she tried to talk me out of it, saying she didn't have insurance and could she just use the restroom to clean up. I sent her to the restroom the tech guys use in the garage because, one, I didn't want her wandering the hallways to the other restroom, and two, I wasn't about to leave my locked area. I didn't want to be out there with her or if someone was after her. I heard the restroom door shut, and I called 911. I heard the door open and shut again, but she didn't come back in the lobby. The ambulance arrived soon after and couldn't find any sign of her. When the police arrived, they confirmed that they didn't see any sign of a car accident on the freeway or any of the nearby side streets, and nothing had been called in. About a week later, we heard a lady's body had been found in a dumpster behind one of the businesses. I'll never know for sure if it was her, Because this was 1998, the internet was still new, and I never saw a description of her in the newspaper. I've always wondered what the story actually was, and was that her? I also have stories of a toilet being clogged with condoms tied together, a couple that broke their toilet having sex on it, and the lady that tried to shove a whole turkey in the garbage disposal. But those are for another time. Creep it real. I love you, awesome ladies, and thank you for this wonderful community. Robin. Holy
1: Hannah, that's freaking scary.
0: Oh, my. I would die. Like, and and I mean, it was almost like, sidebar, did that guy actually come get parts or was that a setup? Ooh, shit. Because it's like, what are the odds of like, you just unlock the door and then it's like, ding, 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 You know, uh-huh. like the little bell of somebody coming in.
1: Yeah. What the fuck? Mm. Well, that's what I'm always scared about is like someone coming up to me, like in my car on like a... Desolate road, and them covered in blood, and I'd be like, hm, "I call nine one one for you, but uh, yes, can't come in because I've seen like hills have eyes and everything else where they coming after you, and I don't want to be got
0: or you're faking and uh-huh. you're gonna get me,
1: yeah, and I can't run fast.
0: They're having sex on a toilet. Look, I will fall off the toilet by myself. <laughs> I don't need any help. <laughs> that
1: is one fetish hate. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But you know how they'll say like a blumpkin or whatever that uh-huh. is. Mm-mm. That is not my thing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. More power to you if like your nose can handle that. But no thanks. Okay, the next one. One night I was doing my hourly patrol through one of the office buildings at guard. It's a repetitive task, check an individual office to make sure no one is broken in, turn off the light, shut the door, and move on, very methodically, one office after another. It's mind-numbing at times, though I'm thankful for the solitude. But something was different that night. I couldn't figure out what it was, but something was definitely pricking the edge of my subconscious. I was anxious. I was oddly anxious, actually. I felt exposed as if I was being watched while I made my way through the dimly lit hallway that stretched out before me. Now, this office building itself is big during the daytime and full of people, but at night when you're walking through the halls and your every footstep echoes menacingly ahead of you, it is damn near labyrinthine. The lack of windows and maze-like floor plan has been known to have gotten more than a few folks turned around. I tried to shrug the feeling off as just being a byproduct of being the only person in the building. I made the next corner and continued my task. I opened the next office door, hit the light switch, and stood there for a moment while my brain registered what I was seeing. It had been cleaned out. No, they had all been cleaned out. No knickknacks, no family photos of the office workers, nothing. Simply an empty office. I was a little dumbfounded as I stepped back into the hallway and noticed that all of the nameplates had been removed from all of the doors. I then started to panic as another oddity finally dawned on me. Why was it so dimly lit? How long had the building been so dim? It was as if one fluorescent tube light worked in every other fixture. When I entered the building, the hallways were as brightly lit as they always had been. At least I thought so at the time. Thinking back on it, though, I don't remember ever entering the building at all. I just remember being there. I retraced my steps and made my way back to the exit only to find that the glass door leading to the outside world was gone, replaced instead with the word exit painted in sloppy red letters on a white wall. Below the writing was a dripping fresh ominous red arrow that seemed to beckon me down the next turn. Fuck this, I exclaimed, and on shaking legs, I turned back in the direction I had originally been going, but instead of the normal hallway of staggered doors up and down the walls, I found myself looking down a long corridor with one single door at the end. I could feel the door from where I stood, and the door felt evil. I knew instinctually this door was bad. My stomach dropped. My extremities felt cold from the adrenaline dumping into my system. With no further thought needed, I bolted in the opposite direction. All of the doors I had previously shut now stood open and would slam shut as I passed. The doors slammed with so much force I could feel the wham that each door made vibrate through my body. After what felt like an eternity, I reached the end of the hall and turned the corner only to find myself looking at that evil door again. Only this time, it was much closer, and from underneath the door, I could see a pulsing red glow. Ah, what the fuck, I cried out. I tried to turn again, but I couldn't. I felt myself being grabbed by invisible hands. I was being pushed towards what I knew most certainly had to have been the door to hell. The combination of the sound the doors made slamming behind me, the smell of sulfur filling my lungs, suffocating me a little more with every breath, made it hard to think straight. The invisible hands holding me had unimaginable strength. I tried to struggle, but it was no use. I could do nothing but watch and wait as the red glow from under the door is now spreading down the hallway, inching closer to death or worse. Simultaneously, I was being pushed forward at what was quite honestly an annoyingly slow pace. I don't know if it was the last shred of desperation or what, But I began to scream, Ed, wake up, wake up, Ed, oh God, Ed, wake the fuck up. As if I had been trapped in some horrible nightmare I could just simply wake myself up from by simply telling myself to. And I did. I woke up in my own blessed bed with my wife looking down at me. She wore a very concerned look on her face. Apparently, guttural croaking and spastic thrashing had woken her up. Very few dreams have ever terrified me, but that dream sure did. I remember the feeling of helplessness. I remember the feeling of the invisible hands pushing me forward towards that door. I can even remember the sharp burn of the sulfur in my sinuses even as I write this. Sometimes I wonder if that dream had been a window into an alternate reality. If so, sucks to be him. This story is 100% accurate. I added nothing I don't remember from the dream. My liberal use of detail and description is simply due to the fact that an email saying I had a bad dream, it scared me, there was a door, door was bad, doesn't paint quite the same picture. Rock on, ladies. Dang,
0: Ed. Wake up, Ed. Wake up, Ed. I know. Oh, my God. Also, shit. I mean, like, I'm like, okay, Stephen King, keep telling me a story, <laughs> girl. I was reading it and I couldn't breathe. I was like, what's gonna happen next? What's gonna happen next? I know. I caught myself with my shoulders like up in my ears. I was like, girl, yes. relax.
1: <laughs> I know. Spoiler alert: He survived. <laughs> like, whew. it was like, wake or up. Did he? Oh shit! When he was like. Like it was a bad dream. Like I woke myself up from a bad dream. And I did. I was like, oh, oh,
0: okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we can do this. We can do this. Yes. All right. Hi, ladies. Love you. Thank you for this podcast. I am almost caught up on all episodes, but I had to pause to share some of my experiences. I have a lot of experiences, so you will probably hear from me a lot. Yes, send them in. My first experience that I can remember is when I was about seven years old. My asshole of an older sister, Moni, left her Barbie at our friend's house that day and made me and my other sister, Stacy, walk down to get it. It was late at night. I have no idea where our parents were or if they knew that we had left. Me and Stacy walked straight down to our friend's house. We went to the backyard, picked up the damn Barbie, and started walking home. There were streetlights lighting our way home, Which should have made us feel safe, but it made it worse. Stacy was walking in front of me and I was holding the Barbie. As we were walking, I looked down to the side of me where my shadow from the streetlights was. My stomach sank when I saw three shadows. What the fuck? I tried to make sense of why there were three. I moved my shoulders and hands a little so that I could determine which shadow was mine.
1: Oh my god, I I would have totally done that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I was the middle shadow. My seven-year-old self shook the Barbie in my hand, hoping that somehow the shadow behind me was the Barbie. (laughs) Of course it wasn't. The shadow was a bit taller than me, and I thought it looked like a guy. It was walking behind me the same distance and pace that I was walking behind my sister. I tried not to let it see that I noticed it by acting like I was looking at the Barbie, but kept my eyes on it the whole time. We were almost to our house, so I decided that I was safe enough to look behind me. I turned around. Nothing. All I saw was a parked pickup truck at my neighbor's driveway, but it wasn't close enough for someone to run behind and hide in the quick second it took me to turn around. I heard no one running away or anything. We got home safe, finally. My sister Stacy and I talked about it, but she didn't see or hear anything. She just said that she was really scared the whole time and wanted to get home as fast as she could. Moni's ass didn't care and never thanked us for getting her stupid Barbie. Thank you for always creeping it real. Love always. Jaina Brayden. Sorry if I pronounced your sister's name wrong. But, uh, not sorry. (laughs) <laughs> that bitch sent you to get a haunted fucking doll is what happened oh my
1: god the
0: doll was haunted the street was haunted something was fucking haunted she did you in that's why she didn't want to fucking go mm-hmm seriously like
1: shadows are fucking creepy i do that laying in my bed i'll be like that's a weird thing what's that my hand's over here my hand mm-hmm. okay okay that's my hand okay that's it you know or like wait wait wait. that's not my hand What is that? Oh, it's Marley. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? But shadows will fuck you up. Okay, this one's called Sinister Sightings Dad Edition. My father passed away in May 2013. He was diagnosed with stomach cancer and passed a few weeks later. Oh. Before he was diagnosed, he called me while my mom was at the store, which was rare. Usually my mom was tasked with all the calls. He said I should come visit. I live in Washington and most of my family's in California. He said he had the feeling that he didn't have much longer. He was having pains and symptoms for at least a year, which was never really told to my sister and me. After the diagnosis, the family was tight. Luckily, my work was understanding and let me take some time off to stay in California with my family. My dad chose to forego treatment and opted for home hospice care, and my mom was by his side 24-7. We were all, of course, sleep-deprived and extremely emotional watching his health quickly decline. I had even witnessed him having a stroke in the middle of a conversation.
0: Oh my God.
1: During this time, my sister and I were searching for a funeral home, which felt bizarre considering he was still alive at the time. We were delirious due to the reasons mentioned earlier, and of course, that was evident by the time we found one. We remembered we had stopped for coffee, large Starbucks Trentas probably. I somehow managed to trip and pour the entire coffee on myself right before our appointment at this elegant funeral home. I looked like I had a case of the runs, and this place looked like it was straight out of Downton Abbey.
0: That's so something I would do. In fact, co worker today goes, I pulled a carry and I said, What? <laughs> and she turned around and moved her hair and had spilled a lob of food on her oh my shirt. Gosh. I was like, yeah, You pulled a carry. Couldn't help
1: but laugh while strategically laying down paper towels in order to sit on the Victorian white chair as the funeral coordinator walked in. I don't even want to know what this lady thought of us, but at least I smelled a fresh caramel macchiato.
0: I hope it was fucking iced and not hot, because yowza. Ooh. Our next
1: stop, a Punjab Indian run-down funeral home. Well, now that's a sight. Two white women, my son who is so white he almost glows in the dark, and my mixed half-white, half-black nephew roll into this predominantly Sikh-slash-Hindu faith-based funeral home. While we were there was because my father was a veteran and they also offered veteran burial services at a site that was roughly one and a half hours away. We happily ended up going with them. As we were about to leave, my sister casually commented on their colorful pins. She had a bit of a pin obsession at the time, and the assistant legit gave her a bundle of their funeral home pins as a parting gift. Another outburst of laughter ensued in the car. I'm not going to lie. I am obsessed with pens, too. And if they were colorful, whew. when I sign a receipt at the thing, I'm like, oh, I love this pen. Mm-hmm. And it's like, don't take it, Donna. Don't take it, Donna. But God, I want to. I won't go into his actual passing. That memory is locked up tight. Fast forward to the reception after the funeral. We had it in my aunt's backyard. Someone turned the radio on, and it was set to a country music station, and no joke, the song that was on was my dad's favorite song by Hank Williams Jr. Another strange thing happened. I had separated from my then-husband roughly a year prior to my dad's passing and was just living with my three-year-old son. Several months after my dad's passing, I was woken up in the middle of the night to my dad's voice. Oh, hell not. It was really his voice. I freaked out but followed the voice. It led me downstairs to the Christmas book my parents recorded for my son. The book was open. I have no recollection if the book was already open during the day, but I do know that that recording was not playing until that moment. Years later, I remarried and had another child. Maybe not in that order. During one of my sister's visits, she was holding my daughter, and out of nowhere, my daughter started following something with her eyes. Only she could see, and we think it was my dad's spirit. Lastly, not too long ago, my daughter and I were home alone in the evening. I was making dinner in our old kitchen. My daughter was about eight feet in front of me at the table with her back facing me, and she was watching TV the kitchen was in the back of the house on the second floor, so no type of light interference was at play. I saw a shadow glide in between her and I, although closer to her. After it drifted behind her, she looked back in the direction I saw it go. I asked her if she saw something and she said she thought it was me. No clue if this was my dad or something else. Thank you for the amazing podcast and giving listeners the opportunity to tell their stories, Laura. Wow. Laura, super sorry for your loss, but super happy that you got to spend those times with your dad. Absolutely. And your whole family, because that's amazing that your job let you go back to California. And I really want to think it was your dad all of those times.
0: I also want to know what his favorite song was. Yeah. Hey, my favorite podcast ladies. I'm going to pull the usual line. I didn't know I had anything true crime to write about. I honestly didn't know I did until a true crime YouTuber released a video covering Jessica Chambers. I know y'all have done an episode covering that horrific murder and you touched on the case connected to her. So you may not even be interested. BTW, good job on that episode, Carrie. Oh, thank you. That was a good episode. Really sad, tragic story. Yes. Ming Chen, Mandy... Xiao was a Taiwanese graduate at University of Louisiana at Monroe, ULM. Her alleged killer is Quentin Tellis. He was formally indicted in May of 2019. He is seemingly bonded out for $300,000 November of 2019. Not that that matters, but it feels wrong for that to be happening. The apartment building Mandy was horribly murdered in was a short walk away from my apartment complex. I shared a cheap apartment with my husband and his friend located right off campus. My husband was a ULM toxicology student at the time and finishes his PharmD at ULM in May of 2020. You're so close. Congrats on your husband. Oh, my God. Please don't let his graduation be pushed back because of all this.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: I had just married my husband and moved up to join him in Monroe in June of 2015. Mandy died in July of 2015, and her body was discovered in August of 2015. Whoa. Mandy was stabbed over 30 times and left in her apartment for about a month. I'm sure you already know the rest of the available details because of covering Jessica's case. Mandy was known as quiet and smart. I sadly never knew her. Her alleged killer, Tellus, had been seen with her at Walmart prior to her death my Walmart. He then tried several times to use her debit card at my bank. It feels so oddly personal. What got me is I'd only heard about her once. I was at work in January 2016 and it was a passing conversation. I don't remember people really talking about it here or big news articles. Still, to this day, details and reports are slim and muted by the Jessica Chambers case. I never really knew about Mandy's murder until learning about Jessica's murder. And I've lived here almost five years now. I grew up an hour and 45 minutes south. I'm as from here as you get. Even though we're stated to have the highest violent crime per capita in the nation, our little city gets washed out. Mandy's case appears to have been washed out. She wasn't from here. She wasn't white. She wasn't a man. Knowing my city, this is probably why her case has almost vanished. Truthfully, very little catches our attention here anymore. Even news about serial killer Samuel Little's local victim wasn't a big deal. I hope Mandy receives justice. I hope Jessica receives justice. If Tellus isn't their murderer... I hope they goddamn figure it out soon. Sorry if this was long. If you can't tell, I'm passionate about how crazy this was. Andrea TL. PS, if you ever get a chance to look up crime statistics for Wichita Parish and Greater Monroe, Louisiana area, compare it to the amount of press coverage. We just don't care here anymore. I left my old apartment for work. Saw enough blood for someone to be near death, if not dead asked any law enforcement I knew, and looked online and found nothing. Neighbors knew someone was stabbed and then carried away by someone, but that's all I know. Also, a boy was found dead in a gated pool area in the same area. Lastly, while I was in the hospital once, my mother witnessed a deceased man being pushed out of a car in the hospital parking lot. She alerted authorities, but was never asked for a statement, and was told later by the hospital he was DOA. F HIPAA, huh? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's... It's so hard when people are so desensitized. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the fears of like the quote-unquote true crime wave, which I don't feel like is necessarily a wave. I feel like everybody's always been this interested, Mm -hmm. but there's just more for us to consume now.
1: yeah. But the thing is, is that we show the – not just we, but like – The consumers of true crime. Yeah. We show the compassion and everything. So it's not just like another one's dead, thrown out the window. Okay, check. You know, it's – Yeah, absolutely. It's different. So I feel like – I don't know. But that is fucking sad. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is why we have – people interested in true crime because that shouldn't happen. Exactly. Howdy ladies. Sorry if this is super short, but I wanted to thank you guys for being you. I'm one of the youths who listen to your show and let me tell you guys, you have gotten me through so much.
0: I feel so cool when people who are, are like youths, like they
1: said, like us. I know. Like also, how young are you? Like what is a youth today? I'm guessing like 15. Don't do anything
0: that we say. Or do, because we had a blast. No. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't. Do. (laughs) Do it. Don't sue us.
1: (laughs) It's like you guys are actually here. Does that sound weird? Maybe. We're there. You don't see us? (laughs) We would take up a lot of room if we were there, honestly. You'd hear us coming for sure. Uh, And you would knock over 20,000
0: things. Well, yeah, that's why I said you'd hear us coming.
1: Okay, you know you were talking about something else.
0: (laughs) Don't even try to play that. It'd sound like the beginning of Lion King.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my (laughs) God. You're looking wrong.
0: But right. Right. (laughs) Oh, God. And if I don't quit fucking eating during this quarantine. Oh, my God. And I'm still going to work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: (sighs) Okay. Oh, gosh. But really, thank you guys for being amazing. I look up to y'all so much. Thank you. Oh. But on to my story. My mom was gifted a baby doll when I was about four, and when we got it, I hated it, as well as my sister. Wait, you hated it as well as your sister, or you and your sister both hated it?
0: Are you confessing something to us? I I don't feel like this is an either-or. I feel like it's an and situation. (laughs) The doll and the sister. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding.
1: We both would get horrible feelings just looking at it. And both of us had sleep paralysis with it, having it blink at us and smile demonically at us. Mm-mm. A little while ago, I was going through storage and I saw that doll in an old bag along with other teddy bears and such. When I saw it, my stomach dropped. I don't know what's wrong with it, it's freaky. Anyway, that's it. Sorry for the spelling errors. I'm dyslexic as hell. Also, sorry if this is a lame story. I just really wanted to write you guys. Okay, love you and the podcast. Keep it up, Shiloh.
0: Oh, Shiloh. No, I love it. You should, like, are you in the group? Because if you are, post a picture of it. We definitely want to see it. We do want to see it.
1: Just go over there, close your eyes, and just, like, take a burst of pictures
0: so you don't have to look at it. Yeah, just hold your thing down and it goes
1: that wasn't lame at all. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And you didn't have any errors, just so you know. But also, I really have learned that I do transpose numbers,
0: like, so badly. Well, that sounds more like dyscalculia than dyslexia. Just from how I understand it, I'm no dyslexia expert. I just play one on the podcast. <laughs> it's basically like a math version of it.
1: Which makes sense because math is my least favorite Yeah, ever. Because I suck at it. Word problems are my least favorite. I don't fucking care if Jim got four apples and Alicia got two. They're everybody's least favorite. Well, I only care about me. And I'm talking to Shiloh right now. Not you. Right, Shiloh?
0: Okay. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for sending in all these amazing stories. Yes. Keep them coming. Send them in. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you are staying safe and staying home, washing your hands, all the things you're supposed to be doing during this quarantine. And remember
1: that Carrie's birthday is April the 11th. Whoop, 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 whoop.
0: I don't know what that <laughs> was. <laughs> that was
1: an APB, APB, alert, alert, <laughs> alert. She turns 35. <laughs> She's old as fuck, y'all.
0: <laughs> it, 35, like you start checking another box when you. Fill really? out paperwork and stuff.
1: On some. On, on some. Like one that I saw. <laughs> no, it's a thing. <laughs> but, yeah, so everyone, when you're listening to this, mark it on your calendar. Say happy birthday to her. Saturday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. Saturday. Again, I don't fucking know numbers.
0: Okay. Well, on that note, remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared.